PSA from the Geek Out Heroes. Just be good to each other. Just be good good to people. Realize people are people and just kind of be good to one another. Um, I realize that there are a lot of idiots out there and that's not that's never going to go away. But uh, the things you can do around one another is be, you know, be good to, to your friends. And, uh, try not to be an asshole. Yeah, try not to be an asshole all the time. Uh, I realize that I say asshole things and stuff like that, but I do try to, I do, and I do try to strive to be uh, a good friend. And the things that come out of my mouth versus what I actually do tend yeah. to be pretty different. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, living li- that living hypocrisy of like, you know, there are things that you want to be able to do and things that you want to be able to say. Sometimes you just kind of have to put those things aside and just be nice to people and and treat people as people and be kind. So. I'm saying this and I'm going to, I'm saying this just before we start a podcast where I'm probably going to be pretty negative. So uh, it's okay to be negative. It's okay to have negative thoughts. It's okay to have negative reactions to things. But when you're dealing with people on a, on a one-on-one basis or, or friends, you know, in friendship and stuff like that, just be nice, you know, be, be kind to one another, try to take things with a grain of salt uh, every now and then. I mean, as long as somebody's not going out of their way to blatantly ruin your life or make you feel bad, uh, you're gonna be okay. It's a rare condition this day and age to read any good news on the newspaper page. And love and tradition of the grand design, some people say, is even harder to find. Well, then there must be some magic clue inside these gentle walls. Cause all I see is a tower of dreams, real love bursting out of every scene. Welcome to the Geek Out Heroes. This is Vargo. Josiah. This is Anderson. And listeners, we are going to go into uh, Mortal Kombat. We're going to talk spoilers. We are absolutely going to talk spoilers. But we are going to do that at the end of the podcast. I will let you guys know that you can turn it off if you don't want to hear it, if you're really wanting to watch the movie before you listen to us. Um, listen to the first portion of it before I tell you to, to get off because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little bit of a review for it um, so you know just kind of what you're getting into before we go into spoilers. But before we go into all that, Sony has backtracked on their whole closing down their store, uh, the storefronts for the PlayStation three, the Vita and the PSP. Uh, well, I don't know about the PSP. I know, I know it's definitely for the Vita and the, uh, the PS three, but not surprising given the amount of outcry that was happening from people. And what's really funny is the fact of, it's always, you know, these, these kind of things are always treated the same way of like, oh, we're, we're definitely listening to you and we're, you know, we're not going to do, we're not going to do, uh, do that anymore because people are upset about it. And, you know, we, we hear that and we want to make sure that we're doing what's right for all of you. I'm getting kind of tired of the whole heroic backsliding. 
And this is true on all fronts. I'm going to talk about this uh, is even true for things like Bungie and stuff like that of if you saw the idea and you knew that it was a bad idea and going into these things, a lot of the times you can tell immediately it's going to be a bad idea. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to be pissed off. And in this case, especially for the Vita that you had, you know, you've had developers who are still making games for the Vita. They're not, you know, it's, it's not like they're tremendous sellers overall, I don't think. But I mean, these are smaller studios that are still making a good, a good chunk of change off of their, their franchises on your platform. And you know that these developers are still creating games for it, especially for ones that even renewed their licensing to make games on the Vita. And you turn around and say, oh, I mean, like. Listeners, they were they were selling licensing for it up until the week before they made this announcement. That's ridiculous. You know how pissed I would be if I were a developer and I just bought a license and then they came by and said, hey, hey by the way, we're shutting the store down. And that's exactly what happened. That, that There was actually a developer out there that was that had. So they had made a fran- They had made a game on the Vita. It was uh, uh, several years ago, but they decided to make I guess they were making a sequel for it on the Vita in order for them to continue to make the sequel for it, they had to renew their licensing. They renewed their licensing like a a few months ago so they could finish up their game. So they could, so they could put it on the store. And then Sony comes out and goes, yep, we're cancer. We're, we're closing down the storefront. Like that is cutting out the legs of, of developers that still work on that platform. And listeners, in case you don't know this in Japan, there's a lot more games in Japan that are on the Vita than that are even in the U S and the reason is because they the handheld market in Japan is far more not only just versatile their gamer base is far larger than it is in other countries so when you have a franchise that's that's done well enough for you to justify we're going to make a sequel we're going to put it on this platform on the Vita a platform that Sony really didn't didn't support after even a year I mean, Sony just kind of dropped off with it. They're like, oh yeah, we're, we're going back into, into handheld. That's why anytime somebody brings up the fact, like, would you ever buy another PlayStation handheld? Well, I owned the PlayStation or the, the, the PSP and it was decent. They had some decent games on it. I didn't appreciate the fact of no dual analog sticks, but still they fixed that with a Vita going into the Vita. I was like, man, I'm looking forward to this. You're finally going to get, you know, really cool console game, console style games on a handheld and they stopped supporting it. So no, I would never buy another, another Sony uh, handheld. Why? Because Sony doesn't support it. Well, and that's the thing with me, too. I had a I got a PSP at launch. I got one for Christmas the year they came out. I loved it. You know, I used to take it to school with me and there were games that me and my buddies used to play on lunch. And, you know, I I forget what was it like four or five years later, they finally announced the Vita and I was fixing all the problems that I had with it. I had better battery life. I had a second analog stick and, you know, all this other stuff. But then I saw the launch list and I was like, I'll wait. And then they just never put out games for it. Yeah. And the reasoning behind that is, oh, well, not a lot of other people bought it. Not a lot of people bought the launch games. Well, you didn't have a whole lot of games. You weren't giving that justification for why you own, why you owned a portable. I owned a play. I owned a a PSP. I owned a PSP specifically because God of War came to the PSP. I was like, God of War is coming to the PSP. I'm like fucking sold. I actually got mine for uh, the Metal Gear Solid games that they put out. Yeah. So, and then when the, the Vita got announced i was like all right well cool i'll wait until they start announcing games that i want so there i don't think there was god of war i don't think there was any metal gear solid the only thing that looked interesting was i think they did like uh gran turismo for the ps vita yeah the ps vita had uh it had (laughs) 
Need for Speed. Um, is Need for had, Speed? I think that was the one. I was uh, Resistance. For. It had uh, Uncharted, and Resistance was in the was was only within the launch window. Listeners, and when I say that, that's like up to six months. Sometimes even considered a year for launch. I mean, I owned one day one, and I owned some pretty decent games on it, and they they were good. But I sat there, I sat there for years afterwards, going, "Where are the rest of the games?" I mean, they slowly just kind of dropped off and didn't give us anything. And to say the least, they had you know decent games for launch, but it wasn't enough to keep people going. All right, I'm going to buy one. The other issue is the fact that it, when people saw the launch lineup and they saw no plans for anything afterwards. People went, well, you guys haven't shown me any reason to continue to think that you're going to support your console because you didn't really support the PSP very well. And Sony honestly didn't. They they would come out every now and then you'd get the Metal Gear Solid. You'd get, you know, God of War was the biggest surprise I think anybody ever saw. And that was towards the end of the PSP's lifespan. Yeah, I think they put that out like a year before they quit supporting it. Yeah. So, you know, people were going, oh, OK, well, there is some potential with this. And Sony went. Oh, well, you know, we had a big uptake in, in players because we put God of War and, uh, you know, they had Chains of they had Chains of Olympus and uh, the uh, the sequel on there. And we're like, all right, well, we, we do have a market for handheld, so we're going to make the Vita. So they make the Vita and then they don't support it. So with these, but, but if you go to Japan, there's tons and tons of developers that were third party developers that only made games on the Vita because... They were big in the handheld market. They would make games specifically so that they could make sure they could have as much of a footprint as possible. So they would make games for the Vita that would also translate over to phones, stuff like that. So when you turn around and say, all right, what we're going to do is we're going to get rid of the storefront. Well, how are we supposed to get our game out to people on the Vita? Like we, we bought licensing specifically for this. So Sony finally went, okay, well, you know, we've heard their whole statement is like, we've heard the outcry for it. I think it probably came down to a lot more of like, there are a lot of developers that were considering a class action lawsuit of you guys just fucked us over. We're going to have to try and port this over to a console or something else in order to try and make up the cost. And you're going to have to give us, give us the, uh, you know, the money to do that. So I think Sony kind of, kind of smelled the, the blood in the water and went, Oh yeah, this is probably a bad idea. We're going to try and fix this and make sure that we're not doing the same things that we've done in the past. And, uh, we, we, we don't have any, like they didn't have any real good reason other than the fact of they didn't want to take care of the storefront anymore. Really? And that they, and, and the PS3 hasn't like the storefront hasn't been taken care of in forever. I mean, it's just it, it, like, it doesn't work half the time. It's, not really well taken care of and they don't want to waste any resources on it. Okay. But you have a lot of games on there and should have, in my opinion, should the entirety of the, of the PS3 library, especially exclusive for the PS3 should be on the PlayStation three storefront. And they don't have that. You know, they don't have, listeners. they don't have kill zone two kill zone three. None of the, this was the biggest surprise. None of the resistance games are on there anymore. Which is a shame. Those games were actually really, really yeah. fun. Most of the Ratchet and Clanks are gone. I was sitting there going, like, what the fuck? You guys are literally forgetting about your like a, a huge chunk of your library that were very that was a it was very important. And yet you just don't care. It's you know, it is what it is. We don't care. We're just gonna you know, we're gonna go with the flow and this this doesn't matter to us. 
listeners, I had a problem where like when they were talking about the, the PlayStation store, uh, the PlayStation three store going away, I was like, well, I might as well go on there and make sure that I can download some of my games and some of my games that I had downloaded through PlayStation plus through the PlayStation store were no longer showing up in my download list. And listeners, I had downloaded them. I go on to the storefront and I can't find some of these titles. I owned infamous. I owned infamous two through this. They were all, they were both digital copies. I owned digital copies of these games and I couldn't go and download them again because they were no longer available on my download list and they were no longer available through the store. Well, that's not how this is supposed to work. Even if the store had gone away, they should have been available on my download list. So I, I contacted Sony customer support. I said, what the fuck is going on? Not in those words. I was very polite. I'm usually polite to people in customer service because I know they have to deal with a lot of bullshit. But I was like, I don't know what's going on. I don't, I, you know, I don't understand why I can't download these. Uh, I know I own them. Can you guys take a look? And they, you know, they found my records. They're like, yes, we see that you've actually owned them. You actually had downloaded them. For some reason, they're no longer available on uh, our download list. We're trying to work out a way to fix this. And one of those was also Killzone 2 and Killzone 3. So when they had put Killzone, uh, the Killzone HD re or you know remake, not really a remake, it's just an HD uh, remaster. There we go. When they had put that on the storefront, I bought the the trilogy. I was like, all right. I'm going to buy the trilogy from the online store. And for some reason, Killzone 2 and Killzone 3 were no longer available for that. Finally, they go, okay, well, we're going to try and rectify some of this. So they had to send me out Killzone, uh, the Killzone trilogy disc set. Uh, you could tell it was from a opened box or whatever, but it had the, you know, it had the not for resell sticker on there. And I'm like, okay, so they had to go and find this in a warehouse or something like that. It looked like a, you know, it's a, it's a used box copy. Uh, but the discs were fine and uh, they worked, but this, this is the kind of stuff that people were really worried about to begin with and going, I'm kind of concerned if you guys get rid of this, if you guys get rid of the storefront alone, this whole library will disappear. And yet Sony has PlayStation now and they don't utilize it. Uh, we've talked about this in the past listeners, but when you have game pass, Xbox game pass is fucking phenomenal. Why it's, Xbox Game Pass, while it does have games that come and go, most of those games are from third parties that come and go. Their first party titles, a lot of them are being preserved with Game Pass. Now, hopefully that library will just grow and grow and grow as we go along. But PlayStation Now, while they have something similar, they don't utilize it for things like, oh, well, we're getting rid of our storefront. Well, if you're getting rid of your storefront, Every single PlayStation 3 title that you have that was especially the ones that were exclusive should be available on PlayStation Now. In fact, that should have happened a year ago. PlayStation Now should be pushing the shit out of that service of saying, you can play all PlayStation 3 games for this. You can play all of our all of our exclusives that you've ever missed if you own if you never owned a PS3 are now available on the PlayStation Now. Yeah, there's tons of games that I would love to have the uh, Metal Gear Solid HD collection. Yeah. Uh, any Ratchet and Clank game that pay- came out on the PS3, I didn't yeah. get a chance to play. I actually bought a PS Now subscription so I could get those, and they have like two games on there. Yeah, and here's the crazy thing. You you bring that up. PlayStation Now used to have every single one. Yeah. They used to have every single Ratchet and Clank on there, and this was this was a, a couple of years back. The only one they didn't have on there was, Nex- or was Nexus. Into yeah. the Nexus. And then all of a sudden, next the Into the Nexus comes out, and they dropped all the other titles. And I went, "What the fuck is going on?" They did the same thing for uh, uh, Resistance. They used to have Resistance, Fall of Man, Resistance Two, and Resistance Three. 
And then one day it was just resistance three. And I'm going, what the fuck is going on? Like you guys cannot tell me that you do not have the server space for this. You can't, you can't tell me that Sony, there's no fucking way. There's no way you don't have the server space for this. So either you haven't been getting the subscriptions or the subscriptions that you need in order to maintain this library or you just can't be or bothered you, or you just can't be bothered. So is PlayStation now going to fall into the category of Vita? Are you just going to let it go and, and kind of fall away because you're too fucking lazy to compete with Microsoft? What the fuck? Come on. Like listeners, this message is going, this message goes out to the executives at PlayStation. The executives of PlayStation, if you want your service PlayStation now to pick up and actually compete with Xbox, you need to show me something. I own I own PlayStation now. I think it's a great service. It actually works really well. If you have a good internet connection, it's phenomenal. But the fact is, is that it doesn't offer all of the games that it should. It should offer every single exclusive that's ever existed on the PlayStation 3, every exclusive that's ever existed on the PlayStation 2. It should have your entire library that was exclusive to your platforms. They should exist on this service. You should be promoting the shit out of this to every single user on PS4 and PS5 and saying, hey, look, we have a library of games. We have the library of games that you've never gotten to experience or you've always wanted to play or you miss. We are the nostalgia of gaming. Xbox One, like Xbox doesn't have that. Let's just, the reason why Xbox doesn't have that is because Xbox didn't have that many exclusives until the, until the 360 came out. Like that's, that's just the truth. They didn't have the exclusives until the 360 came out. So they missed almost an entire generation of awesome games. If you only owned an Xbox or if you weren't old enough to own an Xbox, if you missed it, that's a lot of fucking games. The executives at Sony pull your heads out of your ass and make some fucking money. This doesn't seem like rocket science. It seems like common sense. But I'm talking to a bunch of people who run a corporation that can't see past themselves. And that's the truth. That's evident throughout the entire industry. I've been paying for uh, PS now for fuck like six months now, because yeah. when I originally looked for it, you know, I wanted to go back and play all the Ratchet and Clank games that I missed because I'm a huge fan of the series. Yeah. And before the one for PS5 comes out, I wanted to catch up on all the ones I missed. Yeah. So I Googled it and it. You know, the article I pulled up said, oh, yeah, they've got all of them. Go ahead and get it. So I, you know, signed up for it and I get on and there's like two of them on there. And I've just been too lazy to delete it. And also, I don't understand why they don't have older games. PS1 games are ridiculously small. Yeah. PS2 games are pretty small. relatively. We're not arguing the fact that they they look terrible. But sometimes in in some of them, the gameplay is still there for some of them. And it's also fun. It's also fun to go back and sometimes screw around with shit like that. Like going back into Gran Turismo and seeing how terrible Gran Turismo used to be. It's kind of funny. Yeah. And I mean, it's like with, uh, you know, I always talk about Mega Man Legends being one of my favorite games. I know that game hasn't aged well and it's ugly as sin, but I still want to go back and play it. Right. So there's plenty of things that I mean, even the original Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. That game has not aged well. And it's very ugly. Yeah, I've played through Metal Gear Solid uh, for the PS or for the uh, PS One. And, and this list, this is uh, I, I listeners. I only played it once on the PS One, and I was terrible at it back then. Actually, when uh, Four came out, 
on the PS3. I actually bought because they finally came. They had finally come out with uh, Metal Gear Solid One uh, for the PS1, available to play on your PlayStation Three. And I said, "Screw it! I'm going to go ahead and try it." So I I played through one. I've played through one probably eight or nine times. Steve, uh, you know, listeners, uh, Steve, a good friend of ours who has been on the podcast many times, he has played through Final Fantasy, several Final Fantasies from the PS1 era over and over and over again. And those were only available at the time on place or for PlayStation. He's played them multiple times. So you can't tell us that there aren't gamers out there that would like to go back and experience these games, that there aren't gamers out there that want to go back and experience these, this library. And I mean, Ratchet and Clank's not that fucking old. In fact, they had a Ratchet and Clank HD remaster that came out for the PS3 that's not even available on PlayStation now. Final Fantasy alone yeah. would be worth it. I mean, I've been wanting to go through nine, but I can't be bothered to go dig up my old PlayStation yeah. and then figure out how to hook it up to my fancy new modern TV. Yeah, because of the fact that PlayStation now doesn't offer everything, that's the only reason why I still have my PS3. That's ridiculous. That's the reason why I still have a PS3, listeners. I have two. I have one that sits upstairs and one that's down here. The upstairs one is kind of a backup one, so it doesn't really do anything other than play a couple apps. But I, I have two of them because I have a bat. I have this backup, and I've and I've already had to replace my CMOS battery in one. So, by the way, the listeners, that whole thing with the whole like, oh, if your CMOS battery dies and uh, the PlayStation Three becomes bricked, that's fucking bullshit. That doesn't happen. Uh, the only way, the only way that it ha- that happens is if you don't have an internet connection, because when you replace the CMOS battery, the motherboard in the PlayStation uses the network to, f- to, f- to find an NTP server. And when it finds an NTP server or it finds the NTP server for Sony, it goes, Oh, okay. This is the, this is what the clock is supposed to read. You can fix all this stuff. It's not, it's not, you don't need to hack it in order to get, to get the console to work again. So that whole thing of, oh, your PlayStation 4, your PlayStation 3 has a shelf life because of this. Like, yeah, give me a fucking break. Consoles consoles were never designed to last forever. There's a reason why people have to repair, you know, NESs, Super NESs. Sometimes shit breaks. Sometimes just stuff goes bad. And sitting there saying they intentionally designed it this way. They use a CMOS battery, which has been a, you know, that's been a thing on PCs forever. So you're telling me that that's not, that's not fixable? Give me a break. The follow-up questions and somebody had, I've never gotten PlayStation now. Yeah. Like I had it once, but I had such shitty internet it was useless. Yeah. This is way back when it was streaming only. Does it do like the ultimate Game Pass and Xbox where you can purchase it and also includes a PlayStation membership? Or are those two separate things for them? They still have it two separate things. Here's the thing. It actually it's even though they're two separate things, if you buy the yearly for PlayStation Now and a year and the yearly for PlayStation Plus, it's still cheaper than Ultimate Game Pass. Just build separately. I pay for PlayStation Now and PlayStation Plus, right? So I have PlayStation Plus, that's $60 a year. I have PlayStation Now, that's $100 a year. That's all it costs me because I don't do the monthly. I do the annual, the annually, and it's cheaper. The only, the only downside is that the fact of some titles just go away and Sony doesn't do anything about bringing them back. And what's, and what's even more perplexing about it is the fact that they own these titles. They still own them. They still own the licensing for them. It's not like they pay the developer or continually pay the developer for something that they owned. It was an exclusive on their con on their console to begin with. So why not have it on PlayStation now continually? It's the one thing that's baffling about the service is the fact that it's there. They have, they actually have a baked in 
Game Pass that they don't utilize and they don't promote the shit out of. They're not pushing it for everything and they don't do in like you said, Anderson, when you said, you know, are they bundled? If they bundled them together, they'd be selling the same thing. So why not just say, all right, what we're going to do is we're going to put together PlayStation plus, plus, you know, PlayStation plus now. And that's your subscription service. With this, you now get PlayStation plus and PlayStation now all in one go. And it's just billed annually. It's 160 bucks a year. And all they have to do is just show Xbox Ultimate Game Pass, $180, $160, $180. That's assuming you don't go through the deals that we've been doing. Yeah. And yeah. It, you could do the same thing for PlayStation Plus. So PlayStation Plus, you know, I haven't seen a deal for PlayStation Now. The, the best deal I've seen for PlayStation Now is literally just having it billed annually through Sony. That's been, you know, $100 a year. So let's say you get PlayStation Plus for 40 bucks, you know, $39.99. You're now paying 139.98 for this, or for essentially the, a, a very similar service. It's not the same. I can't say it's the same listeners because a lot there are a lot of games that don't download to the system specifically because they're from the PlayStation Three. There's reasoning behind it. Mostly, it's because the emulate they they claim the emulator is really hard to make. In in truth, it's just impossible to run. It's impossible to run the PS the PS Three emulator on a PS Four. The PS4's uh, CPU is just not powerful enough. PS5, though, on the other hand, I, I'm almost positive a PS5 could probably run an emulator for a PS3. But the reason, the one of the main reasons why they just stream it is because it's easier just to have it on a, ser- on a server and have the server stream it. Well, Xbox is kind of moving towards this anyways with xCloud. I mean, as Game Pass continues to become more popular, xCloud is going to be bundled into that. And xCloud is going to allow you to do essentially the same thing that PlayStation Now already does. So why Sony hasn't, again, why Sony's not taking advantage of this is just baffling. They don't even try to market for the fact of we already offer this service. Instead, I see dumbass things like, uh, you know, Amazing Lucas talking about how Sony's our, you know, Sony's talking about making something similar. So Game Pass is going to go away. I mean, he's such a Sony fanboy. It's ridiculous. He's making a dumbass statement on the simple fact that Sony already has this. Sony has had a Game Pass service for years. They just don't know how to market it. Sony sold more consoles than Xbox this past this past year, this past generation. This past generation, they were the king. But they couldn't market a Game Pass service? Does that make any sense? I mean, Game Pass is kind of saving Microsoft right now. It's, it's their saving grace. It's the thing that p- people constantly bring up all the time. Game Pass, Game Pass, Game Pass. And I can't sit there and say PlayStation now because Sony can't market it and Sony doesn't doesn't do what Game Pass does, which is they don't offer all of their games. They're offering their games. They are offering even new t- new titles through it. It's hard for me to sit there and say it's a comparable service because it's comparable quality service, but it's not a comparable service when you consider the benefits of Game Pass versus the benefits of PlayStation now. It all has to do with just the fact that one's preserving an entire game library and presenting new games, whereas the other one's just giving you, you know, I can't say just because they've had like, they have like eight, like over 400 titles on there, but they don't offer everything. They don't offer everything that's been exclusive to Sony. Is again, brain, my brain just goes, what the fuck? So anyways, uh, moving on, I've I've spent way too much uh, time on this rant. 
Urge to push Sonny would just hop on the competition wagon. Yeah. Yeah. Competition breeds innovation. Like, why Why can't we figure this out? Then again, I, you know, I can throw that shade at fucking Nintendo. You know, Nintendo came out with their own version and put all the Zelda games on there. I'd probably replay them all over again. Right. So I already brought up the fact that, you know, Sony made, Sony made their whole kind of thing about the PlayStation store and acted like they were coming back as a big hero. Well, Bungie's doing something similar now, or we're going to do something similar. I guarantee it. With uh, their new their their transmogrification for armor, where you can turn old armor sets that you've picked up and stuff like that into essentially skins for armor, so you can have matching armor sets now. You can have stuff that looks cool, and it's it's a great idea. It's something we've all been waiting for. We've sat there saying, "Why is it the fact that I get a cool set of armor, but it's shit or has crappy stats? I can't use it, so I end up having to look like a fucking junkyard." of bullshit until I finally something that I finally get something that looks like looks like how I want to or I have to own an ornament and it lets us take that old stuff and say okay we're gonna, I'm going to turn this into an ornament great idea downside Bungie has created it so fucking convoluted and so so much of a grind and pain in the ass that people are going this like you you come you finally come up with what we want and then you completely fucking ruin it with your own stupidity your own your own dumbass idea of trying to make more money off of your gamers you guys already make money off of them from your season passes why do you need this extra amount of money this is activision style tactics again like i thought we got away from this guys but it's the same old story i guarantee you bungie's gonna turn around and go oh we heard our community. You guys didn't like this. Well, what was your first fucking clue? Was it the fact that you knew it was going to be a problem to begin with? So you're taking the overstep that you shouldn't be taking to begin with? So that when you come back and go, oh, well, we're going to roll it back. You won't have people complaining about the monetization part. Yeah, listeners, there's a monetization part. No, of course there is. Because, and why I say that is because you are limited per season. You have to get like a certain resource in, in the game in order to make another resource in the game in order to create a blueprint essentially for the ornament from old gear. It's all this, it's all these ludicrous extra fucking steps always long and ludicrous, but there's a limited amount of times you can do this. It's, it's limited to you on the season. And then after the, like, and I, in my, when I say there's a limited amount, you can do this. It's because there's a limited, there's a limited drop. Like you can't, you can't do this forever because they don't they don't give you enough resources in order to continue to do it. You're limited on how much you can actually you can actually gain in game. Does that make sense? Why don't they just do this the way that Diablo 3 did it? What's that? It cost gold. Oh, it just costs in the in-game currency? Yeah. Because that would make sense. And they don't want things that make sense. They want things that make people grind and play longer and, and especially have to play, and have to stay in the game. Spend longer. more money. Hey, real world and money. So if yeah. you limit the amount of resources that somebody can actually gain in order to do this, you limit the amount of times they can do it. And then, oh, by the way, though, once you run out and you and you have more times that you want to do this, there's always the the Eververse store. And that's their that's their response. There's always the Eververse store. You can go into the Eververse and you can buy this. And their gamers went, motherfucker, what? Bungie, we appreciate the fact that you have been more communicative and you have been a much better company than you've ever been in the past. Uh, I should say, not ever been, but that you've been in the past when you were with Activision. 
But doing this shit, this is Activision tactics, and you turn it around and overstepping, knowing that you're overstepping, only to turn around and be like, oh, we've hurt our community. We realized that this was a bad idea, and we're going to tone it down. So now there's there's no limit to how many times you can you can collect these resources, but uh, all, we're not going to get rid of the Eververse because we still want to have that available to everybody else. And you're going to do that, I guarantee it, because that's going to make you seem like the hero. That's how they're getting around. Listeners, this is how they're getting around people complaining about monetization because when they add something else that has to be monetized, they overstep it by going, okay, well, what we're going to do is we're going to completely make it where it seems like you have to eventually resort to buying things. And what we're going to do after that is once we once we have that and people have their outrage, we're going to say, oh, we've heard you. We're going we're gonna to be the bigger man. We're, 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 we're going to realize our mistake and we're going to make it so that you still have the option to buy it, but you also have the option to grind and work and work harder to be able to do this over a longer period of time. So we don't want to take away the option of buying it for because there are some people out there that just want to have the instant access. So we want to make sure that we're being the good guy on both sides. So now we've solved it. You guys can all praise us for, for listening to you. This is the same shit that happens every fucking time, every fucking time. And it is rinse and repeat cycle. It's rinse and repeat. And this is not just Bungie that does this, listeners. This the, this happens with so many fucking gaming companies now. They have figured out that all you have to do is just appease the crowd. And they'll just keep doing it over and over again. It is infuriating to watch that you're no longer actually listening to us. You're, you're intentionally doing this now. You know when you've overstepped. You're aware that what you're doing is adversely affecting your community. And you're doing it anyways, because in the end, you can justify it by making yourselves seem like the good guys. Got it. Understood. You don't care about anybody but yourselves. And this is just another way to make more money. You're a company. We get it. I'd wish you were a little more honest about it. You know, I'm not calling you a liar. I just wish you wouldn't do it. That's how I feel like. I feel like I'm having that dumbass kind of conversation. Yeah. I'm not calling you a liar. I just wish you wouldn't do it. We caught on to this a while ago. Like, I don't know why they're still trying to play this game of because everybody else still kind of still tries to give them credit. Like, that's why I always preface the fact of I know that they're listening to their community. We see it all the time. We see that they're listening and communicating, communicating with their with their community. But they always do these practices. These practices have always been done. I shouldn't say always, but have been done at least the last three years. Goddamn EA. We realize that we've made a mistake. We're gonna we're gonna change that. I mean, fuck, they did that with the loot boxes. The funniest one was with fucking Battlefront too. Mm-hmm. Was when they're like, oh, loot boxes. We realize that we overstepped our bounds. We're gonna tone it back and stop this until we can reevaluate how this works. And so they stopped loot boxes for what three weeks, and then after three weeks, they brought them right back. And it was in and they weren't really changed. The only thing that changed was, I think, some slightly different pricing. I, yeah, they but that were was cheaper. A, they, they were slightly, they were slightly cheaper. That was the reevaluation, and people went. It, thankfully, that community went. Fuck you, no, nah, nah, not not putting up with this shit, and they dropped them entirely. And it took them forever to get back a gamer base, which is what killed that franchise. It killed it because EA tried to push that envelope a little too far and went. You know what? We're gonna we're gonna come up with loot boxes and try and make as much fucking money as we can on people, or 
you know, you can always buy buy these things or, and their, their response was, you can always buy them, but we always want to make sure you have the ability to earn them in-game. And we're not going to take away the fact that you can earn them in-game. We're going to make sure you can make that, make these things in-game. And it turned out, oh yeah, but if you if you wanted to get them in game, you'd have to play like sixteen thousand hours, and that's not fucking possible. Yeah, because what was it to unlock a hero character? It was the equivalent of a work week worth of play. Yeah, yeah, it was and nuts. That was concentrating on one character. Yeah, just one character. And you find out they're still doing this stuff, but they're doing it in FIFA now. Mm-hmm. And it, the the responses are hysterical. So we know that this happens. Bungie, we're aware that you're that your whole purpose for doing this is just so you can seem like you're the good guy later. I mean, why else would you why else would you wait for the Guardian Games to do something like or to talk about this shit when the Guardian Games is the most worthless event you've ever created and it still is. It's still just it's still just bounty competition. That's it. I had that moment when uh when I saw that this season was uh Guardian Games. And I had that moment in the back of my head. I was like, oh, I remember the first one being kind of fun. Oh, no, the season, the season's something different. I'm going to talk about the season. The Guardian Games is the event in the season. Yeah. So they have the season, which is actually like, which is actually story. I will say that uh, Miles of Miles and I have finally gotten into the season. And it's not terrible. It's not as bad as we thought it was, listeners. Not as bad. It's got a decent story. We actually enjoyed doing, or we enjoyed the story aspects that it added. The event itself is Guardian Games. That's the only event we got for the season. That was it. That's the only event they throw in. But I remember the first Guardian games being kind of fun. And then I remember that the second one being bad. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll just wait. Until but it was rule. just it was literally like, here's a podium. Go see Ava. Grab some bounties. Do the bounties. Come back. See Ava again. Turn in the bounties. Maybe you contributed to the team. Yay. The banner slightly ri- rose a little bit more. Like it was just going out and doing ba- it was bounties the game. Like, just do bounties. Go and do bounties. Daily bounties, the game. It didn't add anything to it. Didn't have a story to it. Didn't have anything anything else to it. Whereas other events have added uh, lore, have been actually entertaining, have added event. Like, when I say events, like, you go and do something. It's not just grab a bounty and go and do something, or, you know, and go and fulfill the bounty. It was grab bounties, go and do this specific event, and, you know, that's that's the fun part is doing the event when your event is just do go do the bounties. Okay. So you want me to just go grab the bounties and go play the regular game. All you're doing is just giving me more bounties to do for things that I was already doing that I had decided I was just going to stop because I didn't care anymore. (laughs) I I didn't, I I came back for an event and it's not really an event. I came came back to play this just the same game. The rewards the first time around were actually worth it. Uh, this last one? No, the first one. The one that I did. I skipped the second one because it was... Okay. Well, I mean, the the first... The the one that we participated in the last time was... It wasn't terrible. I mean, you got an... If you did everything, you got an exotic out of it. And the exotic was badass. Yeah. But it was... It required... It required so much time that... I wasn't going to be able to play other games. And I went, I'm not doing this. I fuck this. I don't want to, I don't, I don't care about an exotic enough for me to do this every fucking day. It's just bullshit. And not only that every fucking day, but also have to use other characters in order to fulfill the, the boundary requirement or the requirements for it. It was dumb. I play other shit, but I'm not going to spend my time in something that feels like a waste of time. 
It feels like a waste of time. It feels like I've wasted my time and it's not as fun. Now it's more fun when I'm playing with you guys. When I'm playing with Steve, like especially when I'm playing with Steve and Miles, it feels more, way more fun. Because gaming with, with friends, especially in Destiny, is always more fun. You know, if I can get those two guys, one of you guys in there with me, you know, Loach, whether it be Loach or, or Justin, I mean, you know, it becomes a more entertaining aspect. And that that part lets me get through a lot of the stuff that I find mundane. If I was playing by myself, though, I just I don't care. And Miles and I are so similar in how we feel about doing certain things like this in the game that we kind of bring each other down going, oh, this just isn't that fun. Like that's one of the other that's one of the nice aspects of bringing, you know, having uh, somebody like uh, Steve come in there with us because Steve is, you know, he's the senpai. He's the carry me senpai of the group. <laughs> he's the he's the guy that, you know, he can come in. He knows the mechanics. He knows how to beat certain things. He has strategies and things that lets you get through certain events. And we we actually like helping him out when he like when he needs it. And we're willing to do that. The downside is, is that sometimes when he needs help, he needs help from somebody who's at level. And that means that we have to grind up to try and get to that level just so we can help him out. And I like this is where I think uh, Steve might be right about the fact that like since they're only doing this next season that they're coming out with, they're only going up by 10 levels. So it's going to be all pinnacle gear. I think he's right in the simple fact of it's not going to feel like the same kind of grind we've had in the past to catch up to our friend to try and help him out. I think it's going to be a lot more closely knit of we can jump in, we can help him with something that comes up. And even though we might be a couple of levels lower, we might be able to be good enough or I might be able to be a distraction long enough so that he can accomplish what he needs to. Yeah. I'm hopeful for next season. I think next season would be the better way of going about it on the fact that you, you know, you just get pinnacle gear. Yes. It's going to feel like next season is going to feel like more of a grind than any season you've had before because it's going to be less numbers. You're going to be going up for only pinnacle gear. You're going to be trying to grind up to the max level from, from the start. If if you ended the, let's say if you end this season at 1310, it's only going up to 1320. So if you end at 1310, the grind from there, you're starting at the, the wall, basically you are at the wall and that's where things are only pinnacle gear after that can get you up. So that's good. It's going to feel like more of a grind. And in that case, it might feel less rewarding. I don't know. It might. Uh, I can see that being the case if you're playing by yourself. The upside is, is that the rewarding part will be is if you play with your friends, if you play with a clan, is that you will be closer to their level from the beginning. Even if Steve's moving up levels faster than we are, which I guarantee will happen, we will still be close enough within level to try and help him out in stuff that maybe he just needs a full team for. That's going to be the upside. So I have to weigh the upside and the downside for that. Overall, this season, like I don't care for the Guardian games. I don't care to jump into it. I don't. I don't even care if I get get anything out of it. Uh, the rest of the stuff for the season, though, is not terrible. It's not great. I still don't appreciate the umbrals, the the convoluted way that you unlock shit for the season. Like I get, I get that they were mostly for the season trying to get you to go and do the they're like triumphs. You, they want you to do like certain things and stuff like that to gain more XP, to get more level. It's, and they, and they do help you out. I mean, I, you know, shit. I mean, I, I went from, we played in two days. I went from level 11 on the season to level 50 almost 
Wow. So I, in, in two days, and that's, that's because nuts. yeah, that's because of the triumphs. So like you'd go that you go through that stuff, and the triumphs are no longer like oh you don't really get anything out of them. That's the upside. Like so now you actually get XP out of them. So like you click it and it gives you more XP. It'll boost your level. You'll be able to unlock more stuff for the relic. You'll be unla- able to unlock more stuff for the season. I thought that was a great boost. I think that uh, that's something I I wouldn't mind seeing continue for destiny because i think destiny needs those kind of things it needs those kind of incentives of like oh if you go and do this test now don't get me wrong i'm not a huge fan of like oh you have to get this many kills of this one this weapon this weapon stuff like that that's kind of that stuff's still kind of annoying to me but at least it's stuff that's doable it's not stuff that's like feels impossible right so i can go and i can go kill 50 fucking cabal with a sniper rifle right okay yeah i can do that that It'll take me, you know, an afternoon, but I can do it. <laughs> it's it's busy work, but it's something to do, and it, it unlocks more stuff for the season. So I feel like I'm getting more out of the season from that. So there are upsides to the season. There are downsides. The downside to the season to start with was the fact that there just wasn't enough there to make me want to play the events, to make me want to use the hammer, to make me want to do uh, the battlegrounds. It just there was no, it didn't feel like there was much of an incentive. And part of that is the fact that there was nothing really to walk you through in Destiny of saying like, okay, so when you start off the season, you're going to go, you're going to go here, you're going to go here, and you're going to grab these bounties, you're going to go do these bounties, you're, you're then going to uh, get what they call a cabal, goal, cabal gold, and then you're going to use that to uh, spend on the mark that you turn on for the hammer. And that way you can go and do battlegrounds. When you go and do battlegrounds, you get more out of it because the the mark gives you uh, the ability to unlock another chest in the end of it. So you're getting more like it, it's it's trying to incentivize the fact that you're getting more out of this event than it than it initially appears. And it's just another form of mechanic that is very reminiscent to the armory, the black armory. When you go and did the forges. It did something, you know, basically did something similar, but I feel like the fun, the, the forges were actually, they were just more fun. Yeah. The thing that was nice in this is that the story for the story for this actually let, like you could go and participate directly into the strike with the moment it came out. But if you did the story missions, which were following the steps for the quest, which involved using the hammer, which eventually unlocks everything. And you start to get the, the hang of how, everything's supposed to work for the season kind of deal. Almost like, you know, where, when we were working with the, uh, I don't know if you were around for the umbrals, the washing machine looking thing. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't there for that. Uh, so it uses this, it uses a similar mechanic as that. It's, it feels like it's combining that with the, the forge uh, runs. So as you continue through the story, it eventually unlocks the main uh, strike, which is part of the story. And the strike, it has to do with a challenge is issued by the cabal, the leader of the cabal, which is, your champ, you know, your champion against my champion, and in reality, it's you versus all of the cabal because all the cabal are considered champions, and they all want to fight for their tribe. So you're doing a strike to get to the main boss at the end, who's the champion. When I first like the the story wise, it it would have been cooler if it had, you know not really cooler, but story wise, it would have made more sense if it was just you versus this one person uh, because of the way it's stated, but it's destiny you're allowed to have teams and doing strikes involves you having teams so 
you go with you go through the the strike the strikes actually in my opinion really uh, a neat strike the mechanics in it are kind of cool i enjoyed the the fight uh with the boss it was kind of a pain in the ass because you're tracking multiple things at once but what else is new i got my ass handed to me by a giant ball of fire at one point but it was fun in the end i i enjoyed it and i played it with miles and miles and i are sitting going that was kind of cool uh the only downside to this stuff is what is is always the same thing in the end is that when you're done it's just rinse and repeat after that there's no that nothing's world changing in destiny and they act like it's world changing like when they get rid of planets and stuff like that because of an event and they do that just because oh you know part of that's overall lore so that they can make sure that some of that lore is matching up. But when you're doing stuff where it strikes that change the lore in the game, it doesn't change the rest of the world. So it's always one of those kind of bummers of like, man, that was really cool. Unfortunately, it doesn't change the outcome of the game. So you go back into the game, everything's still back to the way it was. You're still fighting the cabal. You're still doing the same things over and over again. Never mind the fact that at this point, you guys should have, you know, whether it be a treaty or, Stuff like that. And I get it. You know, you have a continue. You have this world that's just perpetually the same and you're wanting people to come back and get it. But when you're a person that's more obsessed about story rather than just going back and playing the same game and over and over again, you feel like what you've accomplished is meaningless. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's part of the reasons why I get bored with the seasons and I go, why I get bored with some of their with with most of their content. I get bored with the majority of their content because when I'm done, it doesn't change anything. I don't feel like I've accomplished anything. When I'm done with God of War, the story's over. If I want to, if I want to experience the same story again, I'll go back and play it again because I'm wanting to experience that full story again. Destiny's not like that. If you want to experience the same things over again, you have to go and create a new character. You have to delete a character and create a new character. It's not really so cut and dry of going back and experiencing the exact same story over again, just to experience the story. Cause it doesn't work the same way. It doesn't work that way. Uh, you can't take that same character you've just finished through and, and have a new game. Plus you have to get rid of that character or whatever it is. It feels like this never ending quest of bullshit. Yeah. To me now for people like Steve, it's, it's not about that. It's about the gameplay. It's about, going through and in the experiences that you have with your friends, it's going through and experiencing an adventure. Even if it's the same adventure you've had over and over again, it's enjoyable because he enjoys the gameplay. He enjoys having to play, you know, being able to, to play something that one, he's good at. And two, other people can easily jump in and out of. It's a fun game and it is a fun game. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're not that kind of gamer, why play it? Why continue to play the game? That's why, that's why we take those massive breaks. When it comes to the seasons, listeners, is the season worth it? It depends on the gamer you are. It really does. Is the season worth playing and experiencing the story and uh, all that stuff throughout the season? In my opinion, no. Miles and I had more fun experiencing the entirety of uh, the the main thing of the story for the season towards the end of this season rather than any time we've done the entire season all the way through. And the reason is, is because we got everything in one go. It's kind of like how we, when we take breaks up to years at a time and we experience up dozen fucking DLCs at once and we go, man, this is actually fun. Like 
that stuff is more fun because we're experiencing so much more content versus a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there. I don't like being fed like a goddamn pigeon. I want to gorge myself in a game. Right. And I, you know, I want to gorge myself on story. And that's why you really have to, if you're deciding listeners, if you're deciding on season passes, whether or not they're worth it or stuff like that, it's going to depend solely on what kind of gamer you are. It really is. Uh, there's no way for me to sit there anymore, like anymore, especially for these games as a service things where they just constantly continue to give you updates of telling you whether or not it's actually a buy or not for you. It's always going to depend on who you are as an individual. So when it comes to me, it's not a buy seasons are not a buy, not anymore. Not that I've had, not, not when I've had enough experience with them now and enough experience with their DLCs to know I'm the person that needs to have those breaks. I need to have the long breaks where I wait until they give me enough content that I can just come in. I can blast through missions after mission, after mission, having fun and enjoying the new content that they have, the new store that they have. And I don't have to worry about, Oh, I got to keep up with the Jeffersons. I got to keep up with Steve all the time because the nice, the, the nicest thing about coming back into it later is that Steve's already experienced all that stuff. So he can always come back and be like, you know what? Yeah, I, I can just jump in and, and play with you. Why? That's what he does when he has time. When he goes in, he plays the game. He enjoys he enjoys replaying stuff. He enjoys getting done with the bounties, getting his level up. And for him, coming back and playing with somebody who's kind of, you know, who's kind of new to the content, it's no different than what he was already doing. Only now he's getting to play it with somebody else who's experiencing it for the first time. And he gets to have those conversations with that person of like, oh, you should have seen this, you should have seen that, stuff like that. While those are cool stories, and I do wish I had seen some of those seasons, like especially the one with the Vex, uh, based off of what he's told me, I wish I had experienced them. But at the same time, I realized that I wish they had experienced them at the end of those seasons. I wish I had experienced all that stuff at the end because experience it during is kind of boring. And that's just the way it is. And I think Miles would kind of would probably echo the same kind of sentiment. But... That's why, Anderson, when you asked us uh, ways back on whether or not you should actually get the season pass, I said, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't really know if I'd recommend it for you. Yeah, I just, I have no dread to play Destiny for a long time. Destiny season is pretty close. It's pretty close to ending now. Uh, I think that I will probably try and get in there uh, a little bit more and finish up the season pass, try and get mo- the most I can out of the season pass and maybe finish it up. We'll see. I don't know if I'm willing to put in that much of a grind but i will definitely jump in every now and then on the next season just to be able to play play it and you know hopefully be able to give some kind of some kind of support to my friends when they jump in but uh after i think after next season that's when my season passes run out because there's only three i think included in the uh the last dlc and i think they have another dlc coming out after that i don't know um i'd have to double check but I probably won't be back for quite a while until there's you know enough content for me to come back and gorge myself on. So, anything else you guys want to bring up for uh, this week or uh, before we go into Mortal Kombat? I mean, we had that thing with Days Gone, the div that made some pretty stupid statements. He, what's funny? Here's I the think, thing. Uh, go ahead. Pretty good gaming does a really good review on the whole situation. Yeah, I I mean they. I think a lot of places have actually done a pretty, pretty decent job of laying it out when it comes to uh, YouTube. <laughs> I think that the 
media for editorial content have done a terrible job of explaining the fact that the guy who made so listeners what if you don't know and i i'd be surprised if you didn't a former developer or former employee of bend the developer that made days gone he was a writer he had made a tone deaf statement uh in an interview with david jaffe it was david jaffe's podcast i I had listened to the entire four. It was it was roughly four hours, listeners. It's a long interview, but it's with him and it's with the I think the creative director, and the creative director that was there was there didn't have the same sentiments and talked about how I mean they both they both agreed that in reality the game wasn't quite as successful as they'd hoped it would be, mostly because of its shortcomings and part of that had to do with polishing up the game gameplay stuff like that like the you know it came out in an oversaturated market i mean it was well oversaturated with zombies uh i mean even when they first showed it off the very first time we all went a zombie game really another one and it was just there were too there were too many of them and there absolutely were there still are i mean zombies kind of ran its course and at the time i remember when days gone was shown off i was like man this looks it looked unique enough for me to enjoy it which is why i wanted to play it but when I first saw zombies, I was like, oh, another fucking zombie game. Like it was really getting tiresome. Yeah, there was a while there were zombie games where the World War II of shooters. Yeah, it's just fucking nuts. So because of that, the, the market was oversaturated. There, there were a lot of little factors, but he eventually made a statement that, you know, after after long conversations, and it was a good conversation, listeners, if you want to listen to the entire thing, I highly recommend it. But he made he ended up making a statement that was tone deaf, and it was the the old age old statement of if you wanted to have a sequel, then people should have bought the games. Like, and it was not it, it's that is a dumb dumb statement. And Jaffe tried to correct him on it in the interview. Jaffe said, "Well, don't you think it's a little it's a little ridiculous to ask people to buy a brand new IP that they know nothing about?" in order to make sure that they get a sequel for a franchise they don't even know they want to exist yet. And he was basically trying to give them the out of, don't you think it's unreasonable to ask your audience who eventually your, your fans, the, the people who eventually become your fans to have bought your game day one, spend $60 on an untested, uh, unproven game in order to in order to get the sequel that you want. I mean, he, he basically was trying to t- trying to get him to walk it back and go, don't you think the studio kind of deserves a little bit of uh, credit in the fact of the reason why it's not getting a sequel is mostly because of Sony, which is true. He kind of doubled down on it and it was a dumb, it was just a dumb, dumb way to go. And the other guy, I, I should say the other gentleman that was in the interview and I can't remember his name, I think it was Jeff, um, may, he, he basically was like, I don't feel the same way. Like he, he, he wanted to make sure that people knew that this is just this guy's opinion. Like this was not the entire studio that thought this and recently bend their own, you know, their, their current employees and their current uh, uh, creative director came out and said, look, we've heard you guys. We know that you guys are pissed off about what he said. We Ben do not feel the same way. We know that you guys, that there are plenty of you out there that, that took a chance on us. You bought our game day one. Listeners, I was one of them. A few of us were one of them. A few of us bought it day one. Why? Because it, we knew that Sony was good on exclusives and Sony made some pretty damn good quality games. And we were kind of going, okay, well, this looks like it might be a good quality game. It looks like it'd be a fun world to play in. Let's do this. Open world, zombies. All right, cool. Hordes, let's let's check this out. I think one of the things that sold some of us on it was the gameplay from the sawmill. It was cool. 
we're like, all right, well, this this seems like something that could be fun. So when he made a statement like that, it kind of discounted all the people who had already taken a chance, who had already bought the game. And on top of that, people who became fans later, whether they got it from PlayStation Plus or they got it at a discount, these people turned around and went, oh, shit, this actually is good. And they built up a fan base. They built up enough enough of a fan base, listeners, for the game to be successful. The game is actually successful. It made money. It definitely made money for Sony. So the call to not make a sequel came down to Sony's stupidity, because as we said last, you know, last time, Sony's making some really questionable calls. They're they're starting to sound a lot like EA and these other publishers out there that we've sat there and gone, gone man, this sounds like a bad idea. You guys are more are becoming more concerned about whether or not your game's going to be this multi million dollar seller rather than trying to create unique experiences that bring more gamers in and, and maybe creates a new fan base for another franchise. So that, that worries a lot of us because that means that there's a possibility we are going to start seeing a slowdown of act of, of new IPs coming from Sony that you're not going to get the horizon zero dons anymore. You're not going to get the ghost of Tsushima's anymore. And if that, if that's supposed to happen, that's going to be a really bad thing for the industry, especially for Sony. Because it means that the only thing that they'll have are the are the titles that people expect. Well, and, you know, I say this a lot. This is why I'm slowly just moving towards PC only. I mean, there was a long time where I'd buy every console that came out. Now I'm having to pick and choose. And now it's sounding like I'm probably I could see it within two generations being PC only. I can see that. I mean, also, there's the issue of I can't get my hands on a PS5 right now to save my life. So, <laughs> In your case, you'll probably end, like for this generation, at least you'll end up with a PC and you'll end up with a PS5. PC will be able to play pretty much everything, pretty much everything you want to play from the Xbox. Yeah. The PS5 is going to be able to play the exclusives that you're looking forward to and continuing in franchises that you know are at least going to come out. The downside is having no guarantee of new IPs in the future as we go of things that keep you keep you wanting to game on that platform. Whereas PC, there's always going to be new IPs. There's always stuff that never hits console that you're always going to go like, oh, well, I'm glad I have I'm glad I have this piece of equipment to play that. Well, and even sitting right now, the only games that I really want a PS5 for are Ratchet and Clank and uh, the new Horizon. So those those two right there are worth buying a console for. But I haven't seen anything, you know, kind of in the pipeline that I'm like, yeah, you can hold out. So I don't need one right now. Yep. It's just kind of you're we're we're all kind of in limbo on a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, getting like that, that that becomes kind of a disappointment. So when we see those things, we're going, okay, well, that's why that's why Sony wasn't going to give them a sequel. It had nothing to do with the fact that the game wasn't really successful because it was. So if it had nothing to do with the game not being successful, it had nothing to do with the fact that gamers didn't buy it day one. That's why this guy's statement's tone deaf, like why he made a he made a bad choice of words. It was a bad it was a bad comment. It was just a bad comment. Now, the rest of the interview was fine. He didn't make statements and stuff like that. But it it goes always goes back to those things. If people are going to pick out things that you say. And if you say something that is against your fan base, it makes you out as the bad guy. Just listeners, if if you go on to like Kotaku and stuff like that, just try to keep like a grain of, you know, grain of salt when when they quote somebody and they say, oh, I can't believe they made this outlandish statement because we live in an era where people like just take the smallest little thing and turn it into complete nonsense. And that's kind of what happened to this guy. 
he they took one little bit out of an, an entire interview that was actually really good really informative it it, it he didn't sound like that the entire the entire time. He wasn't a complete asshole <laughs> the entire time. There were there were several things that I think that he didn't make statements well on, but that's different. But the media, you know, lambasted him for him. It was like, oh, you know, I, I can't believe he said this and stuff like. And then they they made it sound like he still worked there. And Bend had to come out and be like, no, 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 you guys don't understand. We don't think this. We know that you guys bought the game. We are appreciative of our fans. And we're grateful for our fans and we're looking forward to whatever new project we get put on. Anyways, you guys want to just move on to Mortal Kombat and just get it over with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we've gone on long enough. So listeners, here's a review for Mortal Kombat without any spoilers. And I'm going to go ahead and go first. It was fucking terrible. It was bad. Don't waste your time. I'm trying to save you an hour, an hour and 48 minutes or whatever it is of your life. It is not worth your time. It, you were literally better off going back and watching the first, the original 1990s version and just being content with that. Don't, don't watch Annihilation. That, that movie is an atrocity. Um, <laughs> it's better than that. It's better than Annihilation. It's better than Street Fighter. It's not hard to do. Those movies were terrible. But it wasn't good. It wasn't Mortal Kombat. <sighs> I mainly just watch it for the deaths. If you just skip to the death scenes, you'll be fine. You'll save about 15, 20 minutes. You're good to go. Yeah, just jump in for the fatalities. They should just have a, a three-minute movie or video at the bottom that, that should show that. Like in the special if you want to watch a fun movie <laughs> that has a better story, that's cheesy, and has involves a tournament that's not Mortal Kombat, I'd recommend watching The Running Man of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. I think it's a way better movie. Well, lots of movies are way better movies. Um, you know, we watched it because of HBO Max, but uh, just like, what's your opinion? What's your 10-minute opinion? Yeah, so I fell asleep <laughs> 10 minutes into the movie. Golden Anderson. Just just to you know, give a little bit of context to this, we, uh, we started overtime this week, so I'm working 10-hour days now. Mm. And... Uh, yeah, I think I started the movie about 9.30, and my last thought before I fell asleep was, holy shit, this choreography's awful. Yeah. Just because I... And that's the first fight, and listeners, that's one of the that's one of the better fights. And my thought was, you know, if this was a fan project that I was watching on YouTube, this would actually be pretty cool. Yeah. But this is made by big studios who have money to pay actual choreographers and you know, all this other stuff and like the CG is distractingly bad. I yeah. kind of want to send this to a uh, corridor crew and be like, Hey guys, can you check, guys fix this? Check some of these fights out and see what you guys can do with it. Yeah. Um, all right. So listeners, the, the gist of it is don't watch it. It's bad. Uh, Loach said, I believe his response was, it was all right. Um, Which that's that's a lot coming from him because and he listeners, loves this was everything. Yeah, he he, <laughs> not not to not to. I, I'm not saying this as a a dig on him or anything. He enjoys things for what they are, and he has the ability to a lot of the times just not worry about like what it is. I mean, it's, in a lot of ways, it's the thing same things that my dad can do. Of he just enjoys it for what it is. Just that's it. That's all. He doesn't really. He's not expecting a whole lot out of it. 
and that's a good way to go. And listeners, he said it was just all right. And this is after I bagged on the the movie for at least an hour. And I was just writing it up on our chat and just dogging on it the entire time. And I did this without spoilers. And it was so I did this so much to the point where Loach almost lost the will to watch the movie. Like I crushed his spirit. The funny thing is, is reading the messages that you sent, I thought, man, this movie's going to be a shit show. And if I go into it with the knowledge that it's horrible, maybe I can enjoy it. And that was and that was kind of what I was hoping for is the fact that like if if at the end I can either one save you an hour and 40 minutes or two, make sure that your your expectations are so dog shit for the film that you come out with an experience of it wasn't too bad. It was it was at least I you know, at least I was entertained. That was at least my hope. I went in with low expectations. Listeners, I went in with massively low expectations. I didn't even hope that it was going to be a good movie. I just hoped it was going to be a movie. That was it. I went expecting to see TV level film, even if that. And I was sitting there going, man, this is awful writing, awful choreography terrible costuming i mean the costumes the entire film looked like it was made with cosplay in mind okay and i actually had a a comment about this so one of the one of the last things i remember seeing before i passed out was uh sub-zero's going and talking to whoever the fuck that one guy was uh scorpion yeah no 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 no. it was he oh shanks yes yeah oh and they (laughs) and they they (laughs) showed rock yeah. Yeah, they showed him in his uh his actual costume. One of my buddies about 10 years ago made a Sub-Zero costume for Halloween yeah. and that was better. Yeah, than it, the one they did. Shang Tsung doesn't look like Shang Tsung the entire fucking movie. The entire movie he looks like a extra from the movie uh The Great Wall with yeah. Matt Damon. <laughs> and the the funny thing is like the is, fuck like I remember some of the CG from the fight being terrible. It's like, you know, we were talking about, you know, they were working around like it was obviously a CG knife. Yeah. And all the weapons were fake and everything. And then uh, when Raiden comes in, the effects for him teleporting in on that lightning bolt were actually really cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's like, did you guys just pick and choose? Certain, yeah, where certain your things had high go? quality. Other things did not. So listeners, don't go see the movie. You're, 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 you're good. If you don't, if you have HBO max, God, I wouldn't even recommend watching it. I, I would say, even if you're not a fan of mortal Kombat, it's just not even a good movie. It's just not a good movie. It's not a good movie at all. The characters are terribly written. There's no character development whatsoever. The main character is a joke. I, I sat there going really like there are so many different, different ways it could have gone about it. So Again, don't waste your time. Don't go see it in theaters. I wouldn't waste my time on HBO Max. Even if I had, even having the service, having the service, I, I kind of wish I hadn't done it. <laughs> not, not had the service, but I just had kind of wish I hadn't watched it because I, I don't want to give them the satisfaction of knowing that somebody watched the film. And that's the thing is like, it's, it's that bad. So listeners from this point on, we are going to talk about spoilers. Thank you for listening to us. We really do appreciate it. Uh, If you don't want to hear what we're going to say, cut us off now, come back to it after you've watched the movie Uh, or just not watch the movie or just don't watch the movie and you can listen to the rest of this and find out why. So spoilers. Oh my fucking God. Cole is the worst main character to be created for Mortal Kombat ever. He is so terribly written. He says the dumbest shit. Like his lines are like, we have to split them up. 
we have to fight stronger. We have to fight smarter. Like, these are actual lines in the film. Yeah, coming from the guy whose introduction has him losing an MMA fight. Which he easily could have won, Which he easily could have won and should have won. He's the chosen fighter for Mortal Kombat, and he can't even beat an, an opponent an opponent in an MMA and we all know that Mortal Kombat's about a thousand times worse. It was it was ridiculous how bad his character was made. And it was pointless. Listeners, they created an entire new character, someone who never existed before. New powers, new abilities. And they created this person specifically so that he would be, he would serve as like, oh, this is the player's introduction into the character, into the world of Mortal Kombat. No, you already had that. He was called Johnny Cage. If you go back and watch the 1990s version, when Johnny Cage came in, he was the care, he was the character that was the audience of what the fuck is going on here? Why the fuck is this happening? Why am I fucking here? Where who, who, who the fuck are you? Who the fuck is that? Like this is, this is how that movie went originally. And Cole, when he gets introduced to all this stuff, he takes it nonchalantly and just accepts it. There's a Sub-Zero coming down the fucking walkway, which, by the way, is talking about the CGI. All of the CGI budget went into making lightning and ice look realistic. That was it. Everything else sucked. Um, all the other CGI was so... To me, the CGI was so bad that it was gods of Egypt level bad, just terrible. <laughs> so awful. Um, clearly writers and directors who have never played the game didn't know anything about Mortal Kombat. And if they say they do bullshit, you never played one of those fucking games. You, you didn't play any Mortal Kombat before you made this because you don't have, you have, they have no understanding of who Shang Tsung is. They have no idea, uh, what Sub-Zero was capable of or how his powers worked. Um, the only person that actually, that they actually did a good job on was really Cabal because they, they actually had his powers work the way Cabal powers work. Oh, and, dude, uh, I don't want to talk about Raikou. Oh, and <laughs> fuck yeah, Raikou, like, like Molina Raikou, uh, even Raikou, I think, is still the worst. I had a vein pop out of my even, head. Even even Kano, Kano's powers don't don't work correctly or don't work the way that they should. Like, there's a reason why he has the the laser come out of his eye in the in the games. It's because he has a prosthetic eye that's like a glass laser lens. Just I I would highly recommend when you get to these parts in the movies that you have speed dial nine one one from when you're having a heart attack. It's just it's so <laughs> fucking that bad. Awful. I'm starting uh, to get PTSD talking about it now. Every costume <laughs> looks like fucking cosplay. It looks like it was made to go to a fucking... I take that back. I've seen cosplayers that do a better job. I was going to say, let's not shit on cosplayers. Some of them yeah. actually make really cool stuff. Yeah, I've, I've seen cosplayers that actually do better a better job than this. This looks like it was made by your mom before you had to go out for Halloween. Mm -hmm. Last minute. <laughs> and you just needed a costume to go. Like that's how bad the dresses for any of these. I like Liu Kang is a joke. Liu Kang shows up. Like Liu Kang's backstory is hysterically bad. Uh, through his backstory, you find out he was an orphan. He met a guy who was a evil person that was selling that was selling children. He the guy was one of the chosen fighters for Mortal Kombat. He beat the guy up and stole his abilities. 
And that's how Liu Kang became a chosen fighter for Mortal Kombat. So apparently the chosen fighters are just interchangeable. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're actually chosen or not. You just, you know, need to be able to beat the shit out of the guy who's chosen and you get his abilities. Uh, and the movie's not very clear on that. Either you beat them up, but that doesn't necessarily work. Sometimes you have to just kill them. Yeah, sometimes you have to kill them. I, like, we don't know. Because that story made no sense because if you backtrack, Sonya would have got her chosen gift way early on. Yeah, because she beat the shit out of Kano twice. Yeah. Kano is literally the only the only character that's worth a damn in the entire film because he's funny. Uh, Scorpion at the beginning fights Sub-Zero. Sub-Zero you know, kills him. Scorpion goes down, you know, essentially goes down to hell. That old story. Okay. And Cole was Cole a descendant or was just Cole, his kid. Descendant. Okay. I thought he was his kid for some reason. I was like, man, that doesn't track. No. Cause that, that'd be a huge time gap. No, fucking you couldn't find out that, you know, time and just teleport him to now. That sub zero kills all of, you know, Scorpion's family, but leaves a baby. Yeah. So the baby gets picked up by a Raiden, gets raised by a Raiden, and all of a sudden that baby's descendants move to America and forget who the fuck Raiden is. Yep. Nobody Ugh. nobody ever tells the story of how Raiden saved the kid, what the birthmark means or anything like that. It's just for some reason that gets that gets lost in translation. Oh, that's another way you can get the you get the Mortal Kombat mark, it's passed to the generations. Yeah. So many rules. So yeah, many there's, many there's, there's so many there's so many of these bullshit rules. Uh, instead of you're you're chosen by Raiden <laughs> in the original the original Mortal Kombat, you're just chosen because you are a uh, gifted fighter in Earth Realm, and that's why you were chosen to begin with. Versus, it's yeah. the best fighters in Earth World, Earth Earth Realm versus the best fighters from Outworld. That's it. At this point, this movie would have been better off having the Fast and Furious crew versus Sanctions crew. God, that would you know, yeah, that would have been a way better movie. We're gonna have movie. a bank heist in order to have a fight because listeners, the reason the reason I say that is because there was no tournament. Yeah, the tournament never happened. There's no tournament. It's it's called Mortal Kombat. It even talks about the fact that a tournament happens every time, and they showed off this whole thing of uh, the you know the beginning talks about how uh, Outworld has won nine out of the last ten or, or nine tournaments, and they only have to win ten. So. In order, oh man! In order for Earth, that to should stay be the safe, tagline of the movie right now: Mortal Kombat Tournament Free Edition. Yeah, tournament. It's it's tournament free edition. <laughs> There's no tournament, listeners. They start they start out with it talking about how Mortal Kombat is it, it it's this tournament that decides the outcome of our world. And what was happening was, in order for Earth to to stave off Outworld, they would have to win ten tournaments, ten of them. And Outworld has already won nine, which means. Earth essentially has to win the next 10 straight. 10 tournaments in a row. Outworld has won nine. Why would Outworld ever even consider not having a tournament at this point if they only need to win one? Especially since they had Goro, the winner of all nine. So you have Goro, the champion of nine Mortal Kombat's. And instead of going about this way, they they decide that uh, oh, instead Shou or uh, instead of uh, not Shao Kahn, uh, Shang Tsung is going to to deliberately cheat. Yeah, go, he's he's going to go after, which has always been against the rules, going after and killing all the combatants that would com- that would compete in Mortal Kombat. That's that which was goes his, against that was, his character. Yeah, yeah, which goes against his character because 
while his character was always willing to go out of bounds and use the rules in his favor and try and get an edge, he never fully violated the rules because they, he always knew that it would be wrong to incur the wrath of the gods. Even though Raiden was a representative of Earthworld and Raiden is not allowed to interfere, Raiden is one of those gods and reports directly to them. Shang Tsung knows this, or Shang Tsung knows this and says, "You know what? I don't want to. We don't want to incur the wrath of the gods. Besides, if we only if well, if we only have to win one tournament, then one tournament that's all it's going to take. We win one tournament, Mortal Kombat's over. Outworld gets Get to planet. invade Earth. Yeah. Earth can't do shit about it. That's how it works. So you'd think, man, this guy should just have the tournament, right? Nope. That's not what happens. That's not even what the rest of the fucking movie's about. Not." Not one fucking tournament fight happens the entire goddamn you know, I, time. How disappointed I was not getting the tournament, not getting the giant temple for the tournament. How disappointing not happening. <laughs> oh, so fucking terrible. I I sat there like movie. you guys took Mortal Kombat and took out the entire reason for Mortal Kombat. I feel like what happened here was somebody wanted to make the movie. And they're like, okay, I've never played any of these games. Let me hop on YouTube. And then they saw um, compilations of fatalities. And they're like, oh, cool. We can make a movie based on this. People will watch it. Yeah. But then they didn't do any research in any of the backstory at all. Nope. There's no care. And listeners, there's no character development. I'm not joking when I said that. There was no character development. These characters are flat as a fucking board when it comes to their emotions when it comes to their reactions to shit when it comes to who they are there's nothing yeah the best hero is kung lao <laughs> i thought kung lao was maybe the only accurate hero in the entire movie uh as as for who they are yeah yeah I, that that i agree with that i mean sonya blade was played off like she was junkyard Fucking crackpot. Reject special forces. You know, reject special yeah. forces. Couldn't couldn't make it in in uh, in the military, and was so self self absorbed with the idea of the Mortal Kombat tournament that never occurs. That uh, she seemed she was, more like a conspiracy theorist. She yeah. was a conspiracy theorist nut, and you're going. I don't know. Like I sat there going, I don't know if she's just supposed to be a crackpot or if we're supposed to literally legitimately think she's actually a good fighter or not. Like. The only time she shows off her real fighting skill before she has her final fight is when she beats up Kano in the middle of the fucking desert. On top of that, you have Cole, who's the main character who was pointless, who should have just been Johnny Cage. Uh, you had the fact that while he is a OK, so the guy who plays Cole is actually a stuntman. And he's a good stuntman. Don't get me wrong. I've seen him. He's he's been in plenty of stuff where He's had to use choreography and, and things like that. But there is a clear difference between his abilities and limitations or even the limitations that they placed on his character or his, or his fighting abilities versus the two guys who played Sub-Zero and Scorpion. There is a massive leap in how quickly they can conduct their choreography minus CGI versus what he's capable of. And I sat there going, man, like when they were fighting each other, it was fast paced. It was the equivalent of uh, the best way I can describe it is think of the fight between Qui-Gon Jinn, Darth Maul and Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know that fight? It's epic. Yeah. Watching them go back and forth. 
But Darth Maul the entire time is toying with them. He's just screwing with them. Yeah. Because he can take them both. But you watch him and, and you watch him fight Qui-Gon one-on-one. And it's, you know, it's a little faster paced than the, than the three of them fighting. But it's not much. And then he beats Qui-Gon and then he fights Obi-Wan and it is twice as fast. That's when the things speed up. It is that difference. It's the difference of, of watching the three of them fight versus the two. And when you see the two, you go, holy shit. This is, yeah, this it feels like an actual Mortal Kombat. Yeah, this is an actual fight. And that's what happens with these guys. Yeah. The, the, you have Scorpion and Sub Zero facing off against each other. And it is a legit, like, this feels like a legitimate Mortal Kombat fight. When you're watching, you're like, man, this is badass. This is actually decent comparative to everything else. Then Cole jumps in in the middle of it. And you're like, oh, no. He's, that, oh, God, that slower. whole fight makes no sense. Because he's at first he's fighting Sub Zero, then he goes back to punch the uh, the icing punching bags, and then goes back to fighting Scorpion. Like, why don't you just focus on fighting, dumbass? Yeah, right. Like, this, oh god, that fight made no sense. It, most of the movie doesn't make sense throughout, and then you had characters that don't live up to any of your expectations, or even correlate to their in their game counterpart. You know, Kano is the comic relief. The scenes with Kano were great because he was comic relief. He was funny. He was he was genuinely a funny character. Kano in the the games is a ruthless gang lord and is supposed to be this torturer, murderer, uh badass. And you don't get that at all in this movie. And the only time he actually does something that's genuinely evil is when he turns his back on earth realm and sides with outworld that's it that's the only time he actually does something that's genuinely evil really and you're like oh, okay well he's just a piece of shit he's not really he's not really a notorious i wouldn't really consider him notorious or the absolute villain or anything like that he's just a piece of shit and then you have like you have molina who is a waste it, it's that was a waste that was a joke uh, did you okay? So did you know Brock? Did you notice Brocko was one of the uh, the murals, the th- the three D hologram murals that, that somehow exist yeah. in the uh, that somehow exist in Monk's that temple, fucking Monk's yeah. temple, the the temple that looks like caves. Um, yeah, they show, is this so a they, temple or is this an archaeological dig? I'm right. I, I couldn't figure it out. I thought they were digging out. I thought they were digging people out at first, and then I noticed oh, they're just three dimensional murals somehow. Uh, they showed like they showed Baraka on one of the walls and he just looks like a regular dude with really big fucking forearms. Like there's no, there's no gnarly mean fucking teeth, nothing. And that makes sense because Melina doesn't have any of those gnarly freaking teeth that you're, that you're used to. She doesn't have the Baraka smile. She has her face is exposed the whole time. She just has the, the red, you know, blood smeared across her fucking, her fucking cheeks and then eventually she, you know, widens her mouth and her her cheeks her cheeks split like that. That doesn't make sense at all. Like no, it's she goes like, full uh, full South Park Canadian. <laughs> That's like, what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Her 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 cheeks split and rip apart as she's like opening her mouth or fully. I'm like that doesn't make any sense because if this is how her mouth works, then the the lips would just go all the way off to the sides. Yeah. Or or those seams would just pull apart. They wouldn't have to have to uh you know break the skin 
and bleed. Man, there was a lot of wasted characters looking in order movie. to do that. And I'm like, you guys chose this as your design when you like, and when you go back to Mortal Kombat, you're like, man, look at the designs for Mortal Kombat. Look at the designs for these costumes and these characters, and they are atrocious in the film. Comparatively, just awful. But speaking of which, now I'm going to recall, you know how Josiah says he thinks the director just like watched YouTube videos? Yeah. There's a scene that actually makes absolute sense. Uh, Sonya's fatality, that the one she gets, yeah, not the, not, the, not the gnome, but the actual one, is actually Casey Cage's fatality. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Uh, <laughs> I'm like, uh, that's not yours. <laughs> that's that's for somebody that's not even born yet. Oh man, it, it was it was infuriating to watch listeners, and I ended up having a massive long list of just more and more bullshit as I went. God, this movie is terrible. And then you have Raiku, is that it? Oh, General Dragon Raiku. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, here we go. The van popping on my head again. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll let you take this one, Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck me. Um Batman Forever's version of Bane was more accurate than Mortal Kombat <laughs> Raikou. Wow. Yeah. Oh, it was bad. Um imagine a Ninja Turtle movie where they just made Shredder an average goon and then they just kill him off in ten minutes. Yeah. That's, That's the best way I could describe the waste of this character. He is just an idiot with a hammer. Yeah. Who's fighting Jax, whose arms make no sense and how they came to be and how they operate. Yeah, listeners, their powers, by the oh. way, are, are gifted to them because they're they're chosen. Their inner chi chosen power. And their 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 chi cho- chosen powers and Jax. Arcana. Arcana. That's yeah, what they called it. Arcana, oh. yeah. Uh, Jax gets his arms from so he he loses his arms in a like in stupidly because he decides to stay behind and fight Sub Zero, who who comes um, across as a supernatural curve. being to begin yeah. with. So he goes into he goes in and tries to fight Sub Zero. Sub Zero, you know, freezes his arms and breaks him off. Well, yeah, yeah he toys that, with him and then he just whoops his ass very quickly. Oh yeah, was was just not even a competition. Uh, I sat there the moment the moment he said, you know, you guys go ahead. I'm like, why? You're in a fucking car. Sub-Zero can't fly. <laughs> I was more disappointed than trying to run him over. Uh, yeah, something. Yeah. Um, so he loses his arms. He ends up they find it. They, they, they find him later. He's just in the uh, the temple cave with all the monks and the monks are somehow able to give him robotic arms that aren't robotic that look like they're just you know yeah so listeners his first set of arms that he gets his first robotic or steel arms yeah are reminiscent of the old skeleton monsters you see back in the early 60s 70 movies yeah it's it's just awful uh. <laughs> and uh, uh who the fuck was the harpy uh Lachera, i think is that who that was supposed to be? Oh, and she's man. yeah, she's she's not a major villain, but she no, her death was the coolest, but she got taken out pretty quick, really quickly. Uh, she's the only one with a with a decent, in my opinion, the only one with a decent fatality in it. More like the more and more I think about it, just the more it's just even worse than when I was watching it. Goro was a joke. 
I mean, he he comes in and just Hulk smash and doesn't have any any actual abilities. Never mind the fact that Goro is supposedly had won nine championships, but now he's just gonna Hulk smash his way through fucking life um, in his fights, and it just makes me go how, like, how have you been winning? <laughs> how have you how have you won any fights previously to this? And uh, uh, Shang Tsung, Shang Tsung, the entire time he looks he looks like he's an extra from the Great Wall with Matt Damon, like has this extravagant looking armor and stuff and ridiculous hairdo. And I sat there going, man, Shang Tsung is supposed to be this ominous, non-threatening looking old man who can suck the life out of fighters and is exceedingly capable uh, as a fighter. But instead, they boil him down to, oh, nope, he has force powers, can pull people to him and suck the life out of them that way. That really takes away a lot of the threat that should be felt with him. Because he's supposed to be this guy like you're I would have rather them had the old man from the cartoon or from the sorry, from the uh, the games where he seems like he's just frail. He's not going to win. And ends up busting out some Bruce Lee shit, beats the shit out of the person, and then because they lose, picks the you know picks them up, their soul up. He doesn't force grab them like they think he does in the fucking movie. He lifts up their he lifts them up by their soul and sucks their soul out of their body, and that's why their body that's that's what makes that that uh, fatality. Um, so awesome is the fact that he's he lifts up by he lifts them up by their soul sucks their soul into his body and the body drops like a fucking rag doll that's the way it's supposed to be it's supposed to be this he he removed the life out of them and that's how he was taking them listeners i'm gonna do another movie reference you get better soul sucking out of hocus pocus than you do this movie this is a true story (laughs) (laughs) you get more from bet midler than you do from the from this fuck and it's just it's such a waste like so much of it seems like a waste because it all feels like a c it feels like i watched a cw movie i watched a movie made by the cw only without all I the teenage just, uh, drama earlier in this conversation just nailed it. i think he's 100 percent accurate the director and the writers just watched a bunch of youtube videos and think this is how it went down yeah and the director the director I makes feel like this that's a very accurate answer yeah, the, well, here, here's even something that's funnier to me about that is the fact that the, direct, the director made a comment of like, well, we wanted to make a very different movie because we wanted to attract a lot of people who have never played the games. It doesn't matter if you've played the games or not. You don't need to know the extension, the extensive story behind the games. What you should have just made was a movie based off of the game that was tournament, appealing. Yeah. And that's it. You didn't make about that. You made a terrible story. The tournament, let's say the planet. That's, that's all it was. Yeah. It, it, yeah. The games had a better story than this movie, and the games are batshit. The original game oh. has a better story than this movie. The 1990s movie is a better movie than this movie. But Hollywood can't follow a roadmap, so shouldn't be surprised. You know, now that you bring it up, I think the best movie adaptation I've seen for a video game is, oddly enough, an Uva Bowl movie, and that's Postal. Well, Postal's a shitty game. <laughs> yeah, it was a shitty movie too. Yeah. But listeners, when I say shitty game, I, I mean the fact that like it's just it's a batshit crazy game. It's not. It's nonsense. 
It's right up Uwe Boll's alley because Uwe Boll doesn't know how to make a fucking movie to save his life. Yeah, but I mean, that movie was hysterical. It's because he was based off a game that, that that wasn't really anything. Yeah, I mean, it's a game where you can pee on people yeah. at will. So you, you can use uh, cats as silencers by yeah, I mean, shoving the barrel of the gun up the cat's ass. ass yeah, I mean, and like, then it makes meow noises every time you fire it. It's yeah, hilarious. You're talking about a, you're talking about a game that's not really a game. It's just ridiculous. It's fucking nonsense. So of course, yeah, it makes sense. Mortal Kombat just it got worse and worse and worse as it went, and. Then you have the whole fact that fucking Scorpion doesn't show up until the end. Scorpion doesn't show up until the last fucking fight. And that's the only time he shows up. And I'm sitting there going, you have an iconic character like Scorpion. And you have iconic characters like Scorpion and Sub-Zero. And for a movie that's supposed to be kind of about their rivalry, you don't use either of them. Yeah, especially when you make the main character descendant of one of the characters and you still don't follow the rivalry. Yeah. I, I can't believe anybody at NetherRealm even went, yeah, this is good. I'm sure they were like, yeah, we're making more money and we're owned by Warner Brothers, so there's not a whole lot of complaining we can do. Uh, that's probably what happened. Matter of yeah. fact, I don't ever see NetherRealm's tag anywhere on the movie. So, listeners, do you, do, does it make more sense why Warner Brothers can't make, they, they don't know what to do with DC, they don't know what to do with, uh, you know, turning their own video games into movies. And the only ones that seem to be successful for Warner Brothers that are based off of anything are books made into movies. And that's only when the books made into movies are completely in creative control from their creators. Makes a little more sense now, doesn't it? When the creators have full say. And the, the film company can't do shit about it. And the only thing that they can do is just make a movie and shut up and make money when you give them too much control and they control a film, they control something based off of a property they already own. Well, you get shit and that's exactly what you got with shit. This is a shit movie. Warner brothers, you look bad and you should feel bad. Listeners just don't even click onto it to watch it. Do not give these people any views or ratings. Just let it sink. Hats off to the guy who played Kano. Good job, man. You played that part really well for what it was. It was funny for what it was. It was, Uh, you know, the fatality you did on the uh, what the fuck reptile was supposed to be. (laughs) Yeah, well, like the thing with reptiles, like they I think they were trying to do like a cross between an actual reptile and reptile from the newer games. Yeah, where he's more animalistic. He's, He's more animalistic, but it's still wasn't very good and uh i laughed i laughed when they were like when he was in the rafters above them and he's loud as fuck i'm like nobody's nobody's looking up at where that sound is coming from no one no one's gonna look up directly above them i need to stop i'm just pissing myself off yeah we just need to call it (laughs) let's end this now it's it's it was so bad this is weirdly making me excited to go finish watching it later awful spider-man 3 was a better movie Oh, Spider-Man three was a better film. Ooh. At least that story made more sense than this one. Listeners. When I say that you should understand, I, I hate Spider-Man three. I hate that yeah. movie. Literally. Spider-Man three is better. Iron Man three is better. Listeners. Thank you for listening to us. We really do appreciate it. We apologize. Sorry for Sorry. all the negativity. <laughs> Hopefully cooler things can come back. 
and we can start talking about things that we are excited for and you know maybe things are going to start getting better who knows we can Hopefully, always hope, you know, right? next month we have a great expectation for mass effect i'm you know, hoping it's good i really am even if it's just a graphical update i'll still enjoy it yeah i mean like i'm, I'm just hoping it's good if it doesn't if it doesn't work and that game is broken bioware you are fucking done you are yeah, you're over. Dead to me. You were dead to me. I will never. If that if that game does not work, if that game comes out buggy and doesn't work, I will never buy a Bioware game again. Ever. Agreed. All they so, had to do with all they have to do with this is graphical updates. Yeah. And if they fuck that up, I'm done. Yeah. I I'm getting so tired of this industry. I'm so tired of the shit. So Listeners, again, thank you for listening to us. We really do appreciate it. Please go on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. If you want to get rid of all your social media, we highly encourage it. That includes Facebook. Have meaning, meaningful conversations with your friends. Have meaningful conversations with people, even people that you only know. Uh, find middle ground on things. Find you know, find out what you guys can have in common and what things that you don't agree on. And just treat each other with respect in that aspect. Tell your friends about us. It's pretty much the only way we get around. This is Vargo. This is Josiah. This is Sad Face Anderson because I watch Mortal Kombat. <sighs> God damn it. <laughs> Keep on geeking on. We're out. We're out.